Hey guys, welcome back to the Tim Mullen Show. Your boy's been missing for a minute, huh? I've been uh, just kind of, I don't know, uh, doing my thing, just resisting getting anything productive done, resisting uh, being good to myself, resisting providing you beautiful people with the content you want to hear from your from me. You know, why why have I been doing that? Well, I I have a, a go to. Uh, person, whenever I am my own worst enemy, whenever I meet resistance, whenever I'm fall falling off the wagon of getting things done, being my best self. And uh, her name is Lisa, Lisa Freet. I guess you could say you're kind of like my life coach in a way, but, but, <laughs> I, but I don't pay you anything. And, <laughs> and you probably don't, you know, um, listen, well, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. This, this show was just thrown together at the last minute, kind of like, um, I, I don't know the coaching that's been going on. It's weird. I reached out to Lisa, uh, like last week she was on vacation. I said, Hey, um, you want to do a podcast or something? I, I haven't done anything in a while. And I just had Lisa, I, I talking about politics, talking about the same shit that I've always been talking about. I don't know. I, I just have a hard time getting the studio set up, getting here and, and saying the same bullshit. I always say, maybe I'm characterizing it wrong. I don't know. But, uh, but I reached out to you and, and I'm like, Jesus, I, I got to move forward with something. I got to do something. I can't not do anything. I'm just getting depressed. I'm not, you know, so I reached out to you and, um, and then I'm like, you know what, we should, uh, we should just do a podcast about the stuff I'm going through expose myself to the audience this is like the antithesis lisa of what you normally see on social media on on youtube channels on instagram it's uh it's me showing not my best side you know what i mean showing that your boy isn't perfect i know you guys thought i was perfect you thought uh, this guy's got a shit together man look look at this fucking alpha male over here just strutting through life everything people bowing to his will the universe arranging itself around his uh, destiny no no it hasn't been like that at all i'm sorry i gave you guys that impression but your boy's been struggling too anyways lisa hop in here any any minute if you want to add anything okay i love that you reached out to me on vacation and was like you want to do a podcast and i'm like yes and then you suggested a topic and i'm like yes except for that'll get me canceled and yeah. I don't want to get canceled. Um, actually, I did come up with a podcast idea that was like called Cancel Me. And I thought that I could just bring all my ideas to the forefront and just see how fast it could get canceled in every episode. Uh, and then I chicken out. Anyway, oh. I was so grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. And I think that you're the only person in the world where people see you as perfect and you're really not. Like, <laughs> yeah i know i know guys i'm a fake there you go there you me too oh no way i know yeah. right you know what's really funny is before we jumped on this this i was i bought a book for a friend of mine i'm like oh i better look through it to see you know does it have the message like i think it has good messaging but let me just look through it and there's this one image where a boy and a horse and a fox and a mole are looking at these two swans swimming in the water and they the, one of the characters says like man they've got a perfect like how is it that they have it so perfect and they're so 
put together. And the horse says they're paddling furiously beneath the water, mm. you know? And I think so many of us don't see the beneath the water shots, you know, like right. Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is definitely not showing that part. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, in, in fairness to Sports Illustrated, they've they've embraced um, imperfection. I think Jordan Peterson got himself into some hot water <laughs> recently. They, they had a plus-size <laughs> model on there, not looking exactly like the ideal female form that, uh, you know, we've come to – uh, expect from Sports Illustrated, let's say. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. So th there's all this stuff happening behind the scenes that never gets exposed. But I've always thought there's got to be a way to expose people to the struggles that that people go through. The people that you see on Instagram that seem to have it together, they're paddling like crazy underneath. You never see the paddling. You never see how the sausage gets made. That might be the most important part of uh, mm -hmm. uh, that, that you can learn from these people. Um all right, so I'll tell you. I'll tell you out there that the, the topic that I was going to talk with Lisa about that was going to be my first podcast back, jumping into it, and and that was the the million march for kids, and uh, you know, yeah, I could see where you might uh, might be worried about being uh, about being canceled. I am probably going to do a solo episode on that because there's important lessons there and and i think i can do it in a way where i'm not going to get canceled because i don't i don't think i have a very controversial take on this i just think it, it's an unusual take that most people don't have that's maybe, maybe that's what i bring well, lisa look you 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 reached out to me so i i'm i'm sitting around thinking huh maybe i should uh at least uh on my podcast here we should schedule a day and get something done and then you reach out to me with uh I'm doing 75 hard starting tomorrow. <laughs> uh, are you in? Are you going to do it? And my first initial gut reaction was just to be like, fuck you. No, I'm not <laughs> in. There's no fucking way I'm in. And then I'm like, ah, oh, but why, why won't, wouldn't I be in? And then I was like, oh, I just bought like three bottles of wine and a bunch of chips. And I kind of want to, you know, relax in the evenings and sip wine and, and, so anyone who doesn't know what 75 hard is, I'll tell you exactly, exactly what you have to do. It's, it's a 75 day program designed to get you disciplined or whatever, right? So there's two 45 minute workouts a day. They can be whatever you want, but they have to be workouts that you have to be exerting yourself and, and creating physiological change. You have to take a progress pitch pick every day. And look at all your, you know, all, all your fat rolls and your imperfections and, and cottage and, cheese. Yeah, cottage <laughs> cheese. Take a look, hard look in that mirror. Uh, you have to do ten pages of reading every day. Audible books, audio books do not count. You have to actually read words on a page, ten pages. You have to drink a gallon of water a day. I got my half gallon thing here, so I have to drink two of these bad boys. Uh, plus a little bit more, I think, because that's not quite a gallon, two of those. Uh, you have to follow a diet. It uh, doesn't matter what diet, but you have to follow it. And you have to follow it strictly. There's no cheats and no alcohol. So you do all that every day for 75 days. If you miss one step, if you don't take a progress po picture, if you only read nine pages instead of 10, if you only do a 40-minute workout instead of a 45-minute workout, Guess what? You failed. You have to start all over again on day one. 
and try to get now I did this program, I think last year or the year before, um, I think I got to day 60 or 61 and I forgot to take a fucking progress picture and I had to start again. And I'm like, ah, screw it. Uh, I had restarted it like about four times by then. Cause I always forgot to do something stupid. Um, and <laughs> I had to start again, but you know what? I was in pretty good shape by the end of it. So I, I knew what I was getting into and I'm like, I'm I'm just getting flooded with all these excuses, right? The wine I just bought, the the chips. We got Thanksgiving dinner coming up. My daughter's Halloween party's coming up. Are you gonna tell me I can't get tipsy at that? Like maybe I could start it after after I'm done these bottles of wine, right? And then maybe it'll be after Thanksgiving dinner with the family, so I can have that turtle cheesecake that I know my wife's gonna make, and it's gonna be so fucking good. And then maybe I I could just wait. Then it's like, well, I might as well wait till after this Halloween party, right? Because I got to get tipsy. Your boy's got to be his, uh, you know, in uninhibited self at this thing to be get over his introversion. So I need some alcohol there. And then it'd be like, well, you know what? It's it's less than seventy five days till Christmas, and your boy's got to have some Christmas baking. I mean, what the? So I like just one little excuse after another, and I realized as I was making these excuses in my brain and feeling all this resistance and discomfort about how this bitch is going to start 75 hard tomorrow. And how does she, how, if she can do it, fuck I can. But at the same time, all this resistance in my brain, just going, going you know, all these excuses. And I realized like all, every single one of those things is what I experience almost on a daily basis to getting things that I, I know I want to get done, done, or I know I need to get done for my own integrity and my own, sanity and, and and feeling a sense of purpose and I, i'm just you know i'm done with it and you know what if lisa's gonna do it i'm gonna jump in and it's just something i have to do and and then you start with day one and day you know in that first 45 minute workout and it's like i haven't been in the gym in a long time uh so this sucks but we got through day one so do you have any comments about that? I mean, that's, that's resistance, right? That's, that's you being your own worst enemy. Like that text you sent me was like, just sent me into a spiral of shit. And, and I, and I, Lisa, I had this inner dialogue for like an hour, an hour and a half before I finally said, fuck it. I'm going to do it. Okay, so I need you to know that you have only yourself to blame, and you uh, may not remember this, but March, well, I actually think it was the last day of February, 2021, I had posted on social media, I was like, oh my gosh, ranching season's going to start April 1, and I'm fucking fat and out of shape, what am I going to do, where can I get the most gains, and you're like, have you heard of 75 hard, why don't you just do that for 30 days, even though it wasn't for the like it was for the physical benefits, not necessarily the discipline. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to start that tomorrow. And I did 30 days of it, but it's because of you that I fucking did it <laughs> or even knew what it was. Oh, wow. And then I did it January 1st, 2022 successfully. And it changed so much of my life, which I've now backslid. Like I'm, I'm I'm not disciplined. I was, I was probably laying on the couch drinking wine and eating chips when you texted me to do this podcast um, last week. Right. So, right. and as for the resistance, I was like, I don't. 
don't want to be uncomfortable all by myself. Let's ask Tim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, what, what gave you the idea to start up 75 hard now? Um, because like you, like I was like, oh my goodness, there's like Thanksgiving, Halloween, there's what's called roundup or takeout on the ranch or on the grazing reserve, which is a 10 day fucking party where we bring in over 1900 pairs of cattle, cow calf pairs, and it's riding in whiskey and beer, breakfast beers. Like it is just wow. full on. It's wow. the best time of the year. Seriously. It's like my Christmas. And then I'm like, so if I have to wait till that's done and then I can just start January 1st. And I'm like, holy cow, though, we are a sloth and a slob right now. And yeah. I want to finish the year strong. So right before I texted you, I'd made the decision I was going to do it because, you know, all planning and preparation and <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I, wa I wanted that shift to happen in my life and no sense in waiting one day or day one. Right. 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 Now, there's different philosophies or different strategies, I guess, around, um, around, I guess, personal growth and, and um, getting things done. You know, there, and I've tried just about all of them. And you know, this 75 hard program, for example, is like an all or nothing thing, right? Like it's like it's unrelenting. Like there's no moderation here. It's like you either do it or you don't do it right it's like the yoda said it's yeah there is no try there's either you do it or you you don't do it like it's pretty black or white um and that seems to to even though it gives me the most resistance it seems to work the best for me like it, i i can't do moderation i can't you know there's also something called, I, i've done with some success in the past as well called minimal effective dose uh which is basically can I commit to doing the thing that is going to get me positive change? Just the bare minimum, right? Like I know if I do 10 minutes in the gym or even seven minutes in the gym, there, there's a program, there, there's a workout I can do in seven minutes that will see positive physiological growth in the right direction. And can I commit to seven minutes? Yes, I can. So I'll, I'll start getting in the habit of doing seven minutes and then it'll grow into 10 minutes and then it'll actually grow into like pretty soon I'm doing hour long workouts because I'm in, I'm gaining momentum and I'm enjoying it. Um, but then something always happens where I, I miss something or I don't do it one day or I fall off the way or, you know, my, my Achilles heel is chips. Okay. If there's any chips around, I, I'll grab a chip and then it'll, it'll be like, well, I might as well have a handful. Well, now that I had a handful, I might as well finish this bag off and Hey, there's two other bags in the cupboard. I might as well finish those off. Oh shit. I'm not on this program anymore. I'm a fat slob. Like I, I'm, you know, I, I, I've ruined my program, so I might as well embrace the hedonic lifestyle and just, you know, <laughs> go off the rails and, uh, everything else seems to suffer. And it all starts with that one chip. What is that Lisa? Why, why do you have any insight? What, how can I stop this from happening? You know, so I, I have a mentor that I pay big money to help me work through this. And uh -huh. she's like, you need like a baseline, like on your worst day, what can you do? And then a stretch goal. And you win every time that you end up in between there. Uh -huh. and, and I'm like, oh, I love that. But yeah. I got to be really honest with you, Tim. I'm an all or nothing kind of person. 
And so it's a stroke, like it is building discipline in me to, to be able to find that moderation, but I haven't perfected it yet. Like I am right. literally so similar to you that it's scary. Like I'm like chips. Yes. Give me yeah. the chips at Netflix. Like, yeah. And I mean the, the other, maybe it, it's a byproduct of personality. I don't know if you've ever done the Jordan Peterson, understand yourself personality test, but it, you could probably guess whether you're very conscientious or not. And by conscientious, it's like, diligent at the details your details person that dots i's and crosses t's and and does work for the sake of doing work and follows rules for the sake of following rules because it's the right thing to do never questioning why the rules are there or anything if that doesn't sound like you you're probably a lot like me and you need to under you, you, like you, you know rules you follow them but only if you understand the why behind them um you know you, and even you, then not necessarily and even then not necessarily, right <laughs> and then it's like uh you know you're you're you don't see the little details you look at the big picture you're, you're you know that shuffling paperwork and doing all so I, I wonder sometimes if it's a byproduct of my personality like i scored zero on that conscientious scale which according to jordan peterson means i should never have any success in life but yeah you know I've, I've had some moderate success in various domains and i think a lot of it is because i outsource conscientious uh things that require conscientiousness to people that have that strength while i take on what my strength is uh openness uh uh intellect and the thing the other aspects of the personality scale where i shine i take on those tasks so that seems to work for me but at the end of the day, there, there has to be some conscientiousness. There has to be some discipline when it comes to achieving personal goals. When it, you know, my health comes down to me. It's not a team effort here. It's, it's up to me. Uh, my goals come down to me. So I have to have some level of conscientiousness. And so I'm, I'm the same as you. It's like, for some reason, like, I, I feel like I'm outsourcing my conscientiousness to 75 hard. It's like, that's the program. I've determined the why I know the why it's because I need a change. I can't continue going the same, this direction on this trend line. That's the why I don't care. If, you know, I, and you know, in a, a few days in, I know exactly what my brain's going to say, like 45 minutes. Does it have to like, I mean, why, what, what if it's 44 minutes and 55 seconds? Is that such a bad workout? Right. And then it'll be the slippery slope of eroding the the rationale behind everything in their progress pick like 10 pages well what what about if it's big print or small print like you know i'll be my brain will be start looking for shortcuts and undermining and and there's real logic to it like i can rationalize why there's some stupid things in 75 hard and and my brain will go there and so you know but i have to have to keep on it uh the other thing that that popped up for me too is that it, it's kind of like my my theory of political change, right? Like, you know, I have a very, what some would say extreme or radical uh, idea. I don't think it's that, that extreme. I think the status quo is, is fucking insane, but, but it is a radical departure. Like it's way outside what they call the Overton window, the, the, the allowable discourse for politics. And my, my, theory of political change you know I, I always get criticized with by people who say what we need is incremental change tim let's incrementally change things but 
my response to that is you only get incremental change, incremental improvement in the right direction when you have a radical uh, uh, goal, a radical uh, idea. You know, if you don't have that, if you're, if your idea of incremental change, you know, if, if you think taxation is theft, like I do, incremental change would be decreasing the marginal tax income tax rate from like 23% to 21% or something like that. Well, how do I get the motivation to do that? Right. Mm -hmm. I don't, but yet if I'm going for 0% taxation, like abolish it altogether, maybe I'll get to 21%. Maybe uh, there'll be enough political pressure and enough people saying, Hey, yeah, this is a bad idea that we can swing uh, the odds. And, and so I kind of look at, at these audacious goals, Tony Robin, I think, you know, I watched that. I went to a Tony Robbins thing once he talks about the, having these audacious goals, right. And really like ingraining them in your nervous system and creating like your, your coach or your mentor said that um, I read it in a book once it's that uh, what is it? Creative tension, right? So mm -hmm. there's there, you, you, the further you pull on that band, the more tension that's in it. So you set this goal way out here but if you only get a little bit of the way there, okay, that's still good. You know, just because you didn't get all the way there didn't mean doesn't mean you didn't improve. So maybe part of it is like reframing our brains when we fall short or we have a day where we fall off the wagon. And uh, how should we reframe it though? What 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 is the how should we look at? So I I learned something by a guy named Craig Groeschel, um last year when I was finished 75 hard and trying to figure out like with my personality, which is very limited consciousness <laughs> about like, how do I continue to do this when everybody tells you that doing 75 hard for life just isn't sustainable. And so it was to create a standard for yourself. And one of the rules, which is really simple, never miss two in a row because as soon as you miss two in a row, then that's that slippery slope, right? Mm. When you have one handful of chips, then you have two. When you skip a workout, sure you can recover from skipping a workout, but you know if you miss that second one, then you're missing the third. Like, and to make you cry, which is, right. I hate that saying by the way, but you know, like if, and so I found that that was really helpful, but then it wasn't because I didn't have that big goal or that big driving force that, right. that kept me right, right. continuing. Like, so you have to be aware of what it is that you want or what you want more of and what you want less of and stay continuously in touch with that. And I think a lot of people, they don't know what they want yeah. and, and maybe around January 1st, they start to figure it out or think about it or spend a few minutes doing that, but they don't, continuously come back and do that and i know if i do that less than once a month then yeah i'm just on the couch eating right, chips right. well I, I like that having having the big why i've found has been very important to me you know that when i've gotten the most done i've had a big why and i think what i'm lacking right now is is a big why like what what am i doing what what's my purpose here on earth what do i want people to say about me in my eulogy or at my funeral right now i, I i'm not 100 sure i know you know, I, I used to have a pretty good idea of what I wanted, but, but, you know, you change over time and you, you, you know, you, you change like maybe what I wanted 10 years ago, isn't what I want today. It doesn't drive. It doesn't, doesn't, right. 
And so, um, and, and I think a lot of this too is coming from, like, I just turned the big five. Oh, your boy's oh. half a century old. I'm, I'm almost halfway done life. Um, and, <laughs> and, and you notice how I reframe that there. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do I, what, what is my life meant to this point? What is it going to mean going forward? And, you know, as a kid, you have these big ideas about what your life can be. And then the universe says, nah, that's not happening. And, um, you know, you end up at a certain place that you maybe never imagined. How do you, where, where, where does that why come from? How do you work on the why? Do you have any tips? So for me, because when people are like, oh, have a big why, I've always been like, fuck, like we're going to take over the world, Pinky. Same thing we do every day, like, you right, know, right. Um, but that's not really tangible. And people are like, what about for your kids? What? My kid's going to have her own fucking why. I don't need to be, you know, like. Yeah. I don't need to do that. Um, I've really struggled with that. And so in order for me to get anything in place, I usually have to uh, deal with the ex the extreme opposite. So mm -hmm. if I can't really tie into like why I want to do something, well, then I'm playing with like, what don't I want? What's the opposite of what I <laughs> like? If I don't know what I want, what do I know for sure? I don't fucking want right. like I don't want the government to increase my taxes ever. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, and, and from that point on, it starts to create some building blocks for you. Hmm. Is it easy? No. Do you have to think about it? Yeah. Right, but right. Well, and, and that, that reminds me of, um, the, how I've heard Jordan Peterson describe his, what is it called again? Self-authoring program. And what he's done is, I, I, you know, he basically gets people. And this might be a good exercise. I might, I might do as part of my 75 hard, just implement it in there. Cause I'm looking for my, well, I'm looking for some kind of motivation or direction here. Right. Um, but basically he gets people throughout different phases of their life. So to look back at their early years and then, you know, through different stages and then look into the future, but essentially get them to write down what haven't, heaven looks like to them and what hell looks like to them. Right. And that's what he says. It's like, yeah, if, if you don't, you know, the one thing that's more real than anything is, is pain like that's real. And so you can just start writing down. How do you avoid pain? Right. How do you avoid bad outcomes? What is definitely going to take you to hell and, and be like, okay, so we can engineer those out of our lives. We can say, no, we don't want to do those. And that's a, that's a pretty damn good start to getting to where you want to go, like stay away from the things that are going to lead you to hell. And so, um, so just you talking now made me think maybe what I need to do is, is do this self-authoring. It's, it's a bit of work. It's, you know, I think, although I think he said he had, he had students do it for 90 minutes. It's a 90 minute exercise or something. And that 90 minute exercise, they, they try, they did a, some research on it in different universities and they found that it cut the dropout rate in one university from like 50% to like uh, under 5% and then it wow. increased grades by a considerable margin and all that stuff because once people clearly articulated their why and crystallized it in their brain everything they did they were working on started making sense to them as to why it was achieving their goal or whatever so I, I think that that's great. I want to know more about it. Make sure you send me that. Yep. Um, 
one of the things that you said, I think three times so far in the podcast, and it always makes my skin cringe, mm-hmm. is motivation, like the word motivation. I'm always like, yeah. it's such bullshit. Like we buy into this, we need motivation in some way. Chris is hey, here. Chris. <laughs> Tim and I are live. Okay, go away. Hey, Chrissy. Where's he going? I, I have some questions for him. Oh, oh good. Okay. okay, Chris. I yep. know that I know that you have worked on relationship stuff and marriage stuff in the past. Yep. Um, hold on a second here. You're can you move your face over? You're right behind my logo. There we go. Um I was thinking about this the other day, and, and it was actually uh, a, a manipulative way of trying to get more sex for my wife. Um, it was, you know, what it'd be great if, is if 75 hard had in it, uh, sex every day. And that if she was going to help me achieve my goal, she would just have to have sex with me every day. Um, but then I started thinking, wait a second, most people who have sex, uh, even if, if they're not in the mood and they just say, okay, well, they go along with it. They never regret it, you know, at least in a, committed marriage but then i started thinking well wait a sec there's stuff that we could be doing as a couple every single day chris that would probably improve our relationship what kind and i I had a conversation with my wife if i was to develop an app that was like 75 hard for relationships what what kinds of things would you recommend being there obviously sex every day would that that's super important um uh, you could just, you but could then, just. Have, I, but then, Chris, I was thinking about, well, what if she's on her period? But yeah, there's, yeah. there's blowjobs and different things, right? Hand jobs. <laughs> Would that be asking too much? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> other, other than sex, is there other, other stuff we could include in there that would help you, us? You could, our... you could narrow it down. All you have to do, the app, all it has to do is put two words on the screen, and it's yes, dear. Yes, dear. Okay. So, <laughs> would, would there be a certain number of yes, dears a day? Well, I don't know. Well, you know, for a real answer on that, I think it's if you guys just make a conscious effort to do stuff together. Like unload the dishwasher. Right. Oh, that's okay. No, I, uh, okay. I appreciate it. Maybe what I have to do is have Chris on the podcast and talk about relationship stuff. Oh, okay. Huh? Well, sure. yeah, no, but yeah, honestly, I think, I think it's to, to develop intimacy. If like, if, especially if it's, uh if it's kind of stretching apart just uh, i think spending some time together quality time and just but do things that you both like to do and and then it just it grows from there does that make uh, sense that, no makes, yeah well, it, it makes some sense for sure i was thinking about like um okay what about um what are some things you can connect over right like you should probably as a couple uh have a, a talk about art like where where are you at Ch- check in with each other right so where are you mm-hmm. at in terms of energy what where, what's your emotional interstate what are in what ways is your day kicking ass and what what ways does it suck like ch- some kind of check-in like that and maybe a check-in on like your your goals as a couple right like what what is our overarching why as a couple what are we trying to achieve are we trying to save for a house are we trying to save to move somewhere are we trying to build up a uh a nest egg for the kids what what is whatever are, are we trying to save up for that rv a check-in with like um how are we doing at achieving that goal right because a lot of times you know for especially financial stuff like a, a conflict 
between financial, let's say, um, philosophies, right? Usually there's one person that likes to spend more and one person that likes to save more in a relationship and that creates tension. So I was just thinking about ways of, of creating conversations to get people have you, on the same page have, and stuff like that. Have you ever had, have you heard of the money talk or no? Have you ever heard of that concept? I, I don't think so. Okay. Cause so, uh, people, it, it goes back, it goes back a long ways to, to how you're brought up. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I know if money is scarce, if, if money is scarce, if you brought, if you grow up on the, on the poorer side of the fence or anything like that, money is scarce. Then there's always that fear of not having enough. Right. right. And if you, if, and if the other person's coming from a place of abundance and that there's always been money and everything else, and you can just spend money willy nilly freely kind of thing, then yeah, you're going to have obviously conflict there because the scarce person is going to want to save and the other person is going to want to spend. And if you have an understanding, if you can actually get down into the roots and say, hey, how were you brought up or anything along those lines, uh, then you'll have an understanding of why you might freak out over the purse that she just bought or or vice versa. Or if you came home with that Corvette that you, you weren't supposed to, uh, right. you know, uh, and it's it's also also but it's also it's understanding like if you if you come from scarcity and you have a little bit of a chance at abundance then they just take full advantage of it and they spend willy-nilly all right. over the place right so right. uh that's one of the things believe it or not is is if you have an understanding of how your spouse or your partner uh grew up it gives you an understanding about how uh how they view uh world world things or, or especially money or something like that. And honestly, if you can understand where she's coming from, then you can work, you can work with her or you can just have more of an understanding of, of why those shoes showed up in the closet or something like that. And then it's not so bad, purses. but she, she's, she's very, see, I'm this, I'm more, I'm <laughs> you're more the, of the, you're the spender, aren't you? Yeah, I totally, <laughs> I totally am. Yeah. So, she's, she's a thrifty yeah. one. But okay, we're not uh, we're not discussing our marriage here okay, fully okay, on okay. this exact show. Uh, why not? We can go do another one. Okay. Anyways, I got to run. But All right. <laughs> awesome, awesome to see you, Tim. Thanks for jumping in. Nice to see you hey, too. What, what, what's the name of your podcast again? It's called the Tim Moen Show. Very original. Yeah. Very I was going to say so creative. Okay. Well, I'm looking you up now. I'm going to be listening. Yeah. Okay, it used to be our... called Hard on Liberty. You know, because <laughs> I decided to go. <laughs> Well, you can you can work the sex aspect into that too, pretty good. So. <laughs> uh, okay, we were talking about motivation. Yes. Okay. So motivation is bullshit. Yeah, it's yeah. bullshit. We expect that there to be an external force always keep, keeping us moving towards what our goal is. Right. You know what works better than that? Momentum. Mm. And momentum shows up for you every day that you show up for yourself, which I think is one of the reasons why I love 75 hard. And I know that it works for me. And it also keeps me from quitting because I don't want to start right. back at day one. Right. Right. Yes. And, and I, I like that too. I, I kind of, I totally agree with you. Motivate. It's like, I, I've had my best luck at overcoming resistance, let's say, and gaining momentum by just embracing the fact that, um, that I'm being a lazy, I'm lazy today, right? I've just, this is what I'm, this is actually what I prefer to do today. This is what I'm embracing today is, you know, watching TV and eating chips. And 
it doesn't feel good. And, and that makes me be like, Hmm, is this really what I want to be embracing? Is this really where my true core values lie? And then it, it leads me to taking steps to, towards getting momentum. Um, and what I'm realizing too, I'm, I'm, um, reading this book, a new book by Scott Adams called reframe your brain. And it's all about the frame. He, he talks about, you know, he's, he's got a hypnosis background. And so he talks about how to use frames, how, how you frame, how you look at a situation to determine outcomes and success. Right. So for example, um, you know, instead of, uh, framing, framing, sitting on the couch and eating TV as me being a fat slob and a piece of shit, maybe it'd be better to frame it as I have right now, my momentum is going in this direction. And this is what I'm choosing my momentum to be. And cause then now all of a sudden that frame opens up the idea that, Hey, this is a choice. And, and I'm not just passively sitting by, I'm actively choosing this momentum that I'm on right now. And maybe I can maybe choose a different momentum, a different path. And, and so, so it's all about, uh, yeah, like you say, reframing rather than trying to work up the energy and say, I got to do this again. Why am I doing this like that? You know, the why comes back, but. And I love, I love that it's, that you're talking about it being an active choice. And, and we've talked about this before, like how people abdicate personal responsibility and they're just like, Oh, somebody else will take care of that. Like I'll be forced into this position and therefore I'm not responsible for it. And there's nothing I can do to change it. So I'm a victim in this circumstance. Right. Mm. And because personal responsibility is so important to me and integrity is such a core value of mine. When I recognize and acknowledge that I'm choosing to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and eat fucking chips. And how long am I going to continue to choose this? It sparks change and gets the ball rolling in a different direction. Hence me texting you and being like, Hey Tim, let's do 75 hard. Yeah. Um, Bitch. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? It's, 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 I feel great after just the first day. I'm definitely sore. I feel like my body's been doing something useful. You know, I've been getting out um, outside with my dog. Actually, that's one of the reasons I I got this dog. Maybe that's another thing we could talk about is like engineering in um, success in your day, right? So, so when my wife and I started looking at at getting a dog, I realized like my wife wants a lap dog that she can cuddle with. I want, want a dog that I can have adventures with, but I also knew consciously that if I get a dog that is, has high energy and and is high maintenance, that means I'm going to have to get off the couch and do shit. And I had some resistance to that, but I'm like, no, this is, this is what I need. This dog is going to help me stay active. And, you know, he, he gets me outside twice a day and uh usually in nature and stuff so i feel a lot better even though i'm like fuck he's poking at me and being a pain in the ass and i don't feel like going outside right now but i also know that the poking and the nagging and the the behavior is only going to get worse if i don't do it so i i get off the couch begrudgingly and i take him outside and suddenly i'm feeling better so um what are some ways um that have can you think of any ways that have worked for you or other people in terms of engineering in, you know, things you want to do or getting things done that you 
think are important? So th these are like really mild examples. Um, but for me, I have this thing and it started with doing 75 hard um, is that I would change laundry over before I started my workout. Right. And so 45 minute dry cycle pretty much dries anything. Right. So I'd finish my workout and then fold the load of laundry that was in the dryer and and put that into the basket. I don't put it away. That's that's Chrissy's job, but <laughs> or Delaney's. And it just made sure like at least one load of laundry got done every single day, which kept me on top of that, which made things so much easier. Right. right. And so I look at my day like, what is it that I can have working for me while I'm working on something else? And and I get it. Not everybody is at home. Not everybody cares about a dishwasher or a washing machine or that kind of thing. But there's always something that you can have working for you while you're focusing on something else. So like I'll start the load, the dishwasher, right, before I go into my first meeting of the day. And my, my laundry's already started. There's different things. I, the crock pot or the Instapot. I know this sounds probably ridiculous and I promise that I'm not a 1950s housewife, but it just allows those things to come off my to-do list as to done already. Right. right. Well, yeah. Energy. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. I, I find that, um, you know, 75 hard basically creates this, this, uh, structure in the day that is just non-negotiable like you have to do it there's no half measures here you either mm -hmm. do it or you don't and and so i just have to do those things and so everything else kind of falls in around those things i have to do and so you know like I, i'm finding between my workouts um i've got so you know I, my dog gets a walk first thing in the morning, I got to get up early. I got to get up at five to get all this stuff done. I need to do that 45 minute jog, uh, with my dog. That's my first workout. It, it gets his walk out of the way at the same time. It gets my workout out of the way so that there's two things done. And then I've got, uh, you know, I like to have my, my, uh, resist like lift weights in a fasted state. I just feel better. I don't feel as heavy. I feel like I have more energy and then I can do more intense workout. So I usually do my, my, uh, gym workout right before I eat my first meal a day, usually lunch. And so, um, so I know, okay, after this podcast, for example, I'm going straight to the gym and, and then I'm going to be having lunch. And so, but there's things that need to get done in order for me to have lunch at that time. I, I need to have, do some meal prep. So everything kind of works backwards and you start getting into this routine of just automatically getting things done in a particular order. And it actually creates more free time for you. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're getting shit done. It's knocked off. You're not stressing about it and, and beating yourself up about it because you're making progress. And then you have all this time at the end of the day to spend doing leisure activities. Like I'll be done, basically done 75 hard by uh by noon or or one this afternoon and then i'll have all this time and i'll have got knocked off a podcast i'll have done some other stuff and uh feeling pretty good uh, it, we've got a comment here from uh from one of our viewers justin turdo uh says flush the turd and uh <laughs> couldn't agree more mr turdo <laughs> flush that turd if you can but you know what listen your boy's gonna be happy no matter what, I don't even care if, you know, my, my happiness 
Justin Turdo is not contingent on who wins the next election. And um, this is uh, one thing that I'm pretty good at is, is reframing my success and happiness uh, as being under my complete ownership. And I see it at the fire station all the time, you know? So for example, um, it sucks it, like working in healthcare is a toxic environment, especially when the state runs it, like the government runs it. And AHS has created a toxic work environment that I could go on for days about, you know, but it should tell you something when, you know, at one point, I think 60 or 70% of full-time paramedics in Edmonton were off on stress leave. It wasn't because of COVID or because of call volume or any of that. It was because of the bureaucracy of AHS that was ramped up during COVID and it made like, you know, 10 times worse than it normally was. When you're treating like an object of compliance, all this kind of thing, like the, you, you could go on and on about all the ways that it sucks. And so what I do to reframe my brain, because your boy doesn't have a choice. He's got to work on that ambulance for AHS, basically. Um, or, you know, I have to, you know, like, I cashed in my retirement to to try to flush the turd, as Justin Turtle said. I, I ran for prime minister. And I tried to flush that turd. It didn't work. It was too big. It was just too clogged up. I needed some kind of a snake or cleaner, giant plunger, and I, I, I didn't have it. I, I failed. I'm sorry, Justin Turtle, but I didn't flush the turd. Anyways, I got to work because uh, I don't have another retirement income to, to work on. So I, now I can choose my state of mind. I can choose whether I'm happy or not. Um, what, what do I do when, I, when I'm facing this toxic government-imposed environment? Well, I, I reframe it and I, I have some fun with my partner. I say, okay, what kind of fun are we going to have tonight despite them? Uh, you know, what, uh, I, we, we, I say things like AHS can't, can't kill me and they can't even crush my spirits because my happiness is mine. I, they don't own my fucking state of mind and they can try to make me as unhappy as they can and they will fucking fail. They can bend me over and <laughs> you know what? They, they can't rape me if I enjoy it. You know what I mean? And that's something I learned from a guy going into prison. Here's the secret. You can never get raped if you enjoy it. So you just got to enjoy it. You know what I mean? So it's all about the reframe. Maybe that went a little bit too far. I don't know. Um, Justin Turdo seems more interested in politics here. You should run as a conservative and pull them towards the libertarian side. Well, I, I, I mean, look, that temptation is always there, you know, to, but, but the reality is um, that never seems to work. There are libertarians in parliament right now and they have to keep their yaps shut um because it'll get them in trouble i remember actually this there was this conservative mp in edmonton and i'm pretty sure he's a libertarian a secret libertarian though because you have to be secret you see and he he wore a shirt on an airplane that said taxation is theft now someone caught him wearing that took a picture and made a big deal about it on social media and he disavowed his libertarianism. Oh, I, you know, I was just, it was just a talking point, just a humorous talking point, just to raise discussion or whatever, right? Uh, now, I know that he's lying. He actually really believes that. He believes taxation is theft. He's a libertarian in parliament. How's it going for him? 
He's having to, to say things that make him weak. He's having to disavow his libertarianism. And he has to do that if he wants to stay an elected official. You can't be a libertarian in a, a, a progressive world. You can't even be a so-called true conservative in a pro progressive world and expect to, to stay there. That's why Maxime Bernier has got very few votes, right? How's he going to pick up votes? How's he, he has to have a chance of winning if he wants conservatives to vote for him. Um, and the only way he has a chance of winning is if he's center left, right? He can't challenge. He can't be saying the things he's saying and expect to, to have a pragmatic shot of winning. So, um, I mean, if I thought that that was a viable option, if I thought that you could, uh, but the problem is in order to get to that spot, you have to violate the very principles you stand for. And then that immediately takes away uh, any power you have at, at creating change. So I, I'm more about change from the outside. Politicians follow the crowd. They don't, you know, and so what needs to happen is, is um, we need to create a cultural change. It's the same with, um, with AHS, right? One of the things that that's going on right now in Alberta is ambulance contract negotiations. And right now the philosophy of AHS EMS is it's a borderless system. In other words, all ambulances are provincial assets can be moved anywhere. And so what we end up happening is all the suburban and rural ambulances get sucked into the city where all the calls are and where all the staff are, are burnt out from the bureaucracy and they're short staffed. And we end up doing calls in Edmonton all night. So our communities are empty. We're not serving our communities and we're dealing with one uh, drug addicted zombie after another dealing with another failed uh, aggressive policy. And, and so now what do we do to change this? Our contracts are up. Our municipalities would like power back, but AHS is never going to give them power back because uh, AHS wants control that they're a, they're a bureaucracy, just like any organization. They want to expand and grow like any corporation or small business. You want to expand and grow. AHS is no different. So then what, what it needs is marching orders from Daniel Smith, from our premier or from the minister of health that says, Hey, we're getting rid of this borderless philosophy. We're decentralizing. Well, they're not doing that. Why aren't they doing that? Well, because they know they'd be crucified. The risk is so damn high. They would be crucified by the NDP. Albertans want socialized healthcare. Canadians want socialized medicine. Even conservatives do. And so if they do anything that threatens that in the least, they're out on their ass. So they're very careful. Even though they believe in the same thing we do, decentralized, they can't. So what, what needs to happen for us to get decentralized ambulances? The only thing that will work here to get Daniel Smith to issue orders to AHS is a cultural change in Alberta. We need a huge movement of people. And we saw this, by the way, with the vaccine mandates. What did we do? We created a, a movement. I created an organization called Fight for the Frontline. We joined up with other organizations. We did rallies. We uh, did media. We, we talked to people. We changed their mind. We got them to see that these vaccine mandates were only harming communities and healthcare. They weren't helping them. And, and then when we approached the health minister, he, we cleared the path, we had cleared the path for him and we'd done it all from the outside up until that point, he wasn't doing anything. As soon as we cleared the path and created a parade going in, in the direction we wanted, he was happy to step in front of it. And so the most power and the most ability to change that can happen actually comes from the outside the system, not from inside the system. And really it starts with what Lisa and I are, are 
talking about what we should probably get back to right here, which is the man in the mirror, because that's who I can change the most. And then my sphere of influence can go out from there. And eventually, uh, when you've created enough influence and created enough change from, you know, you can, you can affect politics, but to throw away all your principles, do the, do all the things that violate your integrity to get that spot. You, you might as well have lopped off your own dick. Um, you become, anyway, I was going to say something. And, and then how would you have sex with your wife every day? Well, exactly. So should I move to Alberta or keep trying to change minds in BC? Well, I mean, look, it depends where you're at in BC, I guess, you know, if you, most of BC is similar to Alberta. It's just the lower mainland, like the beautiful spots in BC are where, where the progressives have really kind of taken hold and done their thing. Um, but I, I don't know, look, th th there's problems everywhere, right? Like Alberta is not, um, is not problem free. We have our two main parties are the UCP and the NDP. The NDP are absolutely horrible, but yet they're they got elected in here um, not too long ago. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, and and they're very popular in in the you know uh, Edmonton is an NDP stronghold too. Um, so you know that there's I, I don't know I, I've kind of shifted away from um, trying to imagine that I can change the direction that government is headed and and started to think more about what are ways I can um, create more resilience and maybe even profit from the coming apocalypse <laughs> you know <laughs> it's all Might about well. anti-fragility right let's assume things are never going to get better what are the things that we can do to uh, to adapt to that to you know adjust to that and um you know the things you can do are make sure you're physically and mentally strong you can i think that's the most important thing um you can uh you know ensure you you can be of incredible value to other people because no matter what economy you're in if you provide value to other people your your ability to survive and flourish uh has dramatically increased right and and so if all of the infrastructure around us fails and our monetary system fails and you're going to have to find some way to get food, to get gas, to get shelter. And the best way to do that is to be able to provide services to the people that can give you those things or do those things. Or yourself. have a 2,500 acre cattle ranch. Like yeah. that's also helpful. Or have a friend like Lisa who you know, <laughs> is going to look after you in the apocalypse and say, come to my cattle ranch. We got good zombie protection. Uh, but we might have to work on our shoot and then aim strategy a little bit there if we're right. protecting ourselves from the apocalypse. Justin asks, are you black-pilled? Are you black-pilled? Um, I, I don't think – so I don't know, Lisa, if you're familiar with all the different pills. No. Okay, so there's uh, – you, you remember um, uh, the, matrix, the Matrix, right? There's the red pill and the blue pill. The blue pill is you accept the status quo and you continue on in in ignorant bliss the red pill is you go down the fucking rabbit hole your eyes are open to reality and it's going to be very uncomfortable for you right but you're going to see 
what reality is, which one do you choose, a red pill or blue pill? So that's where the red pill comes from. So people who are red pilled are people who see through the propaganda, who are, um, you know, aware of the bullshit and the, the narrative that's constructed around them, this reality. Uh, the black pill are people that are red pilled, but are very pessimistic about where things are going to go. They, they see there as being not really any hope um, in the future. Uh, and then there's white pilled, white pilled people are red pilled people who, who are optimistic, who say, look, it's been done before. For example, you know, the Soviet union, uh, was under, you know, communist rule forever. And then all of a sudden, just like that, um, because of kind of a sequence of fortuitous serendipitous events, uh, suddenly they're out from under that yoke and communism has been banished and life is better for the people. That is, um, that's the white pill. Um, it's so, okay. So black pilled, I, I don't think I'm black pilled. Um, but I, I, I'm not really any pilled. I, I don't, I'm not optimistic or pessimistic. I prepare for the worst and hope for the best. You know, I think it's, it's reasonable. And, and even, and I guess my point is, is it black pilled or white pilled, Justin? If I think that there's a good chance things as we know them, the status quo uh, devolves, that there's more chaos in, in store in our future, that our dollar is going to get worse, that that institutions are going to start to crumble. I don't know that that's necessarily a black pill. That's that that's certainly going to create some discomfort, some pain and anguish for some people, but. Uh, what I'm saying is that even if that's the case, you know, there's opportunities on the other side for those of us that are are aware of what's coming, you know, and, and life is going to be good no matter what. And I think that's an optimistic view of my own life and my family's life and the people I care about, even though I don't have a lot of hope for uh, the, the tax farm we call Canada. I don't know that it's going to ever look the same or be as nice as we sentimentally remember it or that we were taught it was in, in public schools. But will um, there still be maple syrup? Uh, I think there might be, yes, if uh, if uh, forest fires haven't taken out all the maple trees. Um, Justin says, five years ago, only libertarians were talking about freedom. Now there's millions of anti-authoritarians in Canada. Yeah, I agree. I think that is a sign of hope, you know, because, again, I think politics largely is informed by culture now politics also informs culture in a negative way you know it creates uh, a culture that that sees everything in the state and nothing outside the state right and this is the and and we see this even with people who talk about freedom they're still they're they're only halfway there they're half right right like a lot of the the populace we see i'm going to do a podcast on this in the, I, I think in the near future, but even at this uh, million March for kids, you know, parents were marching against some, uh, some horrific ideology being taught in school. You know, the, the idea that um, if you're, if you're white, you are forever the oppressor and there's never enough money or bowing you can do to, to um, assuage your shame and, culpability in being white and, and being part of the oppressor class and just like on the other side there's there's you, you have no agency you can never achieve success and happiness because of the external world and how they view you 
there's nothing you can do and it will be like removing agency. So uh, parents are understandably uh, upset about this kind of ideology about being keeping secrets. And what do they do? Do they march to uh, ban public education? No, they they march to reform it, right? So they because they they want freedom, educational freedom for their kids, but they want it done in a government-run school. You see, mm-hmm. so that they crap. didn't have the, the discomfort of having to school their children themselves. Right, right, and and I see this a lot in the in the so-called patriot movement or the the freedom fighters or whatever. Um, that all their solutions seem to be a government policy that protects their interests, right? So they're worried about immigrants stealing their jobs or running up housing prices and stuff like that. Well, we need the government to solve that problem. Um, they're worried about education or a certain type of culture or whatever. Well, we need a government policy to solve that problem. Um, you know, they, they don't like the vaccine, so therefore it needs to be banned. We need government to ban it, right? And you see how, what the problem is here. They continue to ask the very entity that creates all the evil and all these problems to solve the problem for them. And so they're halfway there. They, they, they recognize some evil in the world. They recognize that um, they're ruling. Or here's the other problem. They focus on the globalists, right? And the gender ideologues. Well, these people are completely toothless. Like Klaus Schwab, as dastardly as his plans are and as horrific as his book, The Great Reset, is, um, he's just a, a guy that's saying words. Like he has no authority. He's He doesn't have guns. He doesn't have an army. Who has the guns and the army? Our government. What do they do? They take half our shit. They, they tell us we can't have lawn darts. They tell us we can't even have baby walkers. These motherfuckers are are the ones that are pointing <laughs> the guns at us and taking all our shit. Yeah, I don't want them doing what Klaus Schwab said, but hey, Klaus Schwab ain't the problem. It's our own goddamn government that's the problem. And these people, meanwhile, are looking at the globalists. Look at what Soros is doing. Look at what Schwab, Schwab is. Look at the Rockefeller. Look at all. Oh, I think uh, it was Jewish space laborers that created these fires in Hawaii. We need to get to the bottom of this. If we can just expose these corrupt people, then finally we'll have a government of the people, for the people, by the people that's virtuous. No, you won't. Government is a fucking ox. You know, it, it can't be virtuous. Anyways. <laughs> I went off there for a second, Lisa. I'm feeling the spirit that. up in me. I'm feeling the spirit come up on me here. I know we're supposed to be talking about Hallelujah. Yeah. Gender ideology is wrong. It's not independent from sex. Okay. We should stop it from mental illness. Yeah, I don't disagree. About, but but uh, you know, how do you wanna how do you wanna solve this problem? And and the populist right would say, we need a government program to stop this, right? And that's where I say you, you know, that this is the problem. I, I was actually going to write an article, Justin, called um, called right wing populists are just conservatives driving the speed limit. It, it's a play on Lisa. There's this uh, famous commentator who talks about how conservative conservatism is just progressivism driving the speed limit um, because conservatives continually plant the seeds of their own demise. Right. Like uh, they're, they're all worried about marriage and family. So we need the government to protect it. Government needs to be involved in marriage. Government issues marriage license and blah, 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 blah. And now we we have a destruction of the family in marriage because the government's in charge of that shit. And uh, and so, you know, they, they, they have the, 
they notice what I agree with them about what's important and what's worth preserving and what's right and what's moral. And then the, the prescription is like, uh, they're their own worst enemy. It's like the gut meme of the person sticking the, 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 uh, stick in the, their front wheel and flipping over the handlebars. And that's conservatives all the time. And, and the alt-right ain't much different because they're just conservatives driving the speed limit. Right. They're like, um, you know, like I, I saw this, um, listen to this podcast, Brian Lilly interviewed this uh, school headmistress in the States. And it's wonderful because there's no, every, everyone wears a school uniform. All the desks are regimented in rows pointed towards the teacher. There's no calls are completely silent. There's no talking in hallways. They march single file to the next class and sit down and this is wonderful. And these kids all have great marks and their parents report improvements and all these kinds of things. Well, uh, this is the problem with public school to begin with is that desks are all oriented towards an authority figure that, that children are taught to defer to authority, that authority ought to be in charge of your life, that experts, what the experts determine you ought to learn, you, you ought to learn. So they're great at, at, deferring to authority and and so the conservatives are are applauding this is what we need in canada we need this kind of education hey guy that's how public education started it was to create a, a class of dumbed down military men a class of dumbed down corporatists that that just pull levers and fucking drink beer and watch tv and do what the government says and hand over their their uh their milk their harvest tax to the tax farmers and uh you know it washes the human spirit but no, the problem is gender ideology. That if we just get rid of that and go back to just regular brainwashing, things would be so much better. And that's a conservative answer. That's a populist answer. They create these government. Hey, do you think the government is ever going to do something? Do you think they're ever going to do anything to uh, sacrifice their own self-interest? Do you think they're going to do something to to make government smaller? Do you think they're going to teach their your kids stuff that undermines their authority or that that limits them no they're never going to do that why would they ever do that they would never do that so naive you can tell that conservatives were were educated in public schools anyways I go. lisa looks like she's about to run sorry lisa <laughs> no I, i'm i'm here for it I'm, right. I'm loving every minute of it i'm feeling the podcast juices start to flow again you know i'm starting to I can I tell. We could go back to like minute forty-seven when it really started to click. Uh, it was, you know, what it was. It was when Justin Turdo entered the conversation. Turdo, I don't want to flush. You saved the day. You saved the day. All right, let's 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 bring it let's bring it home. Let's bring it full cycle, Lisa. What are the lessons we've taught learned from this? Well, that. The government is bad. That's what I've learned. No, sure. I, I've known that all along. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing that our discussion reiterated is that personal responsibility is super important and not very fucking popular. Like, yeah. And and a lot of times, like 75 hard, it's uncomfortable. We don't want to do it, but it can create great change for us if we're willing to do that and put okay, ourselves in a position like hold that. that thought, hold that thought. I want to go back to this point you said about personal responsibility be very hard. And I want to play you something. Um, 
let's see if I can make this happen here, that I think perfectly encapsulates that. Uh, let's see, share screen. Yes, okay, so this is someone at the, the Million March for Kids, all right? And this is what stood, stood out for me. I'm just going to play this. We were not there at 3 o'clock in the morning when we were changing their guys. What we believe is right or wrong. What we're saying, stay out of our children's lives. We're telling you right now that we come in peace. I speak for every single parent out here. We will die for our children. And you will not let me take them from us. All right. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we would die for our children. But hey, Ahmed, would you uh, would you homeschool your kids? Would you take them out of school? Would you go down to a single car, downsize your life, and unschool your kids? Would you take personal responsibility for your fucking kids, or are you going to hand them over to wolves and demand that the wolves become vegan, Ahmed? <laughs> You think that's a good parenting strategy? Demanding that the wolves become vegan because they're the problem, not you handing them over to the wolves. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. <laughs> if only, if only this were the the only time in history where people were <laughs> were. <laughs> Refuse to take personal responsibility. If this were the only example on the planet right now. <laughs> well, exactly. Right. But I, I mean, this is, this is exactly what we're talking about here, right? The right <laughs> likes to talk about personal responsibility and then attend rallies and say shit like that. You know, we would die for our kids. You have no right as you hand your kids over to this person who you're delegating, you know, custodial <laughs> caretaking to, I'm abdicating my right as a parent to give to you. You have no right to do that. I just handed them to you. You can't come into our schools. Hey, dude, are you in school teaching these kids? No, you're, you're yeah, inviting them into the schools. Oh my God. Anyways. Oh, feels good to rant. Anyway, so okay, so personal responsibility was was one lesson. What was the next one, Lisa? You're talking about before I rudely interrupted you with that rant. I, you know, now I'm almost like completely blank from all oh, the because I was just so into your political rants that I was like cheering you on that I'm like, what else did we talk about today? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chips yeah. are bad. Okay. Yeah. And delicious. Well, but I think that, 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 that is probably one of the most important things to take out of today is personal responsibility. And what does that look like? What does personal responsibility look like? Listen, buddy. Ah, oh, he's bugging me. He wants to go for a walk. It's yeah. He's like, hello. So one of the things that you reminded me of and, and, or articulated well during this podcast was the choice. Like you have the choice when you reframe it, that, yeah. You know, you're choosing to sit on the couch and eat chips or you're you're choosing to go to work every day in a situation that may or may not be toxic and choosing whether or not you're going to allow that to steal your joy or zest for life or drive towards doing anything outside of the work hours. Right. 
And I think people need to focus on that. If we could remember that we ha- we always have a choice and personal responsibility is sexy, I think that there could be a lot of change that at least could happen internally. Absolutely. And ripple out to society. Right. Yes. And <clears throat> are you going to get 75 hard done today? Yeah, I'm almost done. Well, I have one more workout to do yeah. and to finish drinking some more water. And I guess not eating chips and drinking wine on the couch later. Well, grats on your choices. And thanks a lot for pulling me into this. <laughs> I don't mean that sarcastically. I'm serious. Thanks so much. <laughs> hey, talk to me in like 74 days. You'll be so like, you might have a slightly different tone. Right. Well, no, I'm feeling, I'm feeling better already. I'm feeling great. Uh, you know, my rants are coming back. My blood's pumping. My energy's coming. My body's feeling better. We just started this tomorrow. And now the problem is, Lisa, the resistance is coming. I know this and I need to prepare for it and I need a strategy for it. Um, so so you already know, though, what the resistance is. At the beginning of the show, you listed off like yeah. five things that are going to be in the way, right? So right. now what's really easy is for you to, to pre-decide what you're going to do when that shows up. Right. Decide now what how you're going to respond. Great. More work, homework to do. I'd <laughs> <laughs> rather eat chips. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Listen, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. We've, we've been chatting for over an hour, and uh, that's long as I usually go. So um, thanks for coming out. I'm going to go to the gym right now, and uh, we're going to kick, kick, kick an ass. Well, let, let's check in with each other and the audience here in a, in a couple weeks and, and see how things are going and see how we're overcoming the resistance if we are. Learn – yeah, maybe, maybe we'll learn that we failed or we fell off the wagon. How did we deal with that? Because uh, it's all part of growing and part of life. We're not going to be perfect. We might not go 75 hard. We might only go day and a half hard. We'll see how this is. 56 flaccid. Like, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's my normal operating <laughs> procedures is, yeah, 56 flaccid. I like that. I might be able And I, I also want to talk to you um you know, maybe we do this in another episode, but I was serious about what I was talking about, about Chris. I had this idea about, okay, this personal growth, but there's also couples and relationship growth. What what would be a great um, product to help couples grow closer together, more intimate, uh, that sort of thing. So something to think about. I want you to put some ruminate on that while you're on the treadmill or while you're under a 300 pound bench and uh, see what you think. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that gave me an idea of another show about women powerlifters, but we will do that another day. Right. I'm a woman powerlifter. Did you know that? No. I actually can tell. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> um, well, this is great. Liner. This is great. And I look forward to what our updates are. And yeah, maybe we will be disclosing what flavor of chips were our downfall. Yeah. Oh man, go on for that. All right, <laughs> guys, we're ending it there. Hey, thank you to uh, Justin Turto for for getting my juices flowing. Way to go, Lisa. He says, "Hey, let's end it on that note." Way to go, Lisa. 